So how, on God's gray earth, did this... Take the last train to Clarksville and I'll meet you at the station. You can be here by 4.30 because I've made your reservation. Don't be slow. And this... Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. And even this. Another pleasant valley Sunday. Become this. Listening to Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album or it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Uh, we are on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We're on Twitter. We have a Twitter page. We are on Instagram. The, there's an Instagram thing. So feel free to follow us in social media context. Uh, this week on the panel, we have Matthew Moore, Logan Renard. And my name is Scott Livingston. This week, we have a returning special guest, Theremin Maestro Victoria Lundy. Say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, this week we will be covering the 1996, I believe, album Just Us by the Monkees. So I guess we can start with, uh, are the Monkees a band? Yes. Are they just a band? No. Okay, <laughs> we've covered that. The Monkees were initially a TV show in which the actors played exaggerated versions of themselves with their own names and released albums not as soundtracks to the TV show, but as albums by the band in the TV show, which made things complicated and interesting. And they sang the songs. They sang the songs. But did not always play instruments on the songs. No, and they got a lot of flack for that, which... Well, which, as we've discussed in the past, it was par for the course in the entertainment and music industry at the time nobody played anything on their own records it was the wrecking crew or or some mm -hmm. such you know studio band that, right it's often so, it, anything that had any money behind while, it while the, while the monkeys catch a lot of flack for that it was every single other person from that time period just about yeah i think that's a good point and i think that everybody misses that yeah and it's not I fair mean, mamas and the papas yes. the birds the simon and garfunkel i mean 
clearly art wasn't playing the drums on the boxer so no no but for some reason the the press got really after the monkeys for that and the monkeys developed a um chip on their shoulder about that um so much so that uh by the third album they were recording mostly their own instruments and you know writing some of their own songs which lasted about two records and then they realized how hard it is to film a tv show and be a band at the same time and they went back to hiring studio musicians but they did do some stuff sort of on their own they mostly the headquarters and the uh album pisces aquarius capricorn and jones limited but this is not one of those albums this is album from 1996 and they did even early on they did write some of their own material yeah right? mike mike was very insistent that he get to write and produce his own tracks so even on the very first album mike wrote and sang two songs and right. even had peter tork come in and play what he, as he described third chair guitar on it but you know they, they they were and they were you know out functioning as a touring act without like, right and what i may i point out that though they were all at least bonafide mu- musicians of some kind yeah they weren't necessarily assigned what they were good at good at right and and um Mickey Dolan's landed on his feet like he usually does, um, literally, yes. by being assigned the drums when he is not a drummer no. and had to learn how to play the drums in like a month or something. So yeah. he could tour in front of humongous crowds. I mean, can you imagine the pressure of having to do that? Even if even if you knew that it was like, well, I'm on a TV show, what are they going to expect? Yeah. Holy Christ, that'd be incredible. Yeah. I, I and I mean, granted... The, and, he, he, and he could do it, even though he never did set up his drums properly. It was always sort of funny. He sets them up kind of like this hybrid between a right-handed and left-handed drummer. Apparently, the story is that he had a bit of polio as a kid, so he is right-handed but left-footed. So, I, I can identify with that. So, yeah. you know, his... I, the top half of his drum set is is right-handed, but like the the kick and the hi hat are switched around. I did not know that. That's interesting. I didn't know there was a reason other than he just didn't know how to set them up properly. Did he, did he play open-handed <laughs> most of the time? Or yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. He, yeah, he. Was, so I mean, if you see him live, it looks weird because there's nothing sitting right in front of him. The right. kicks off to the kind of, yeah. side. So. Him and Lenny White, right? Yeah, but I mean, he 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 learned to play well enough for you know it's screaming thousands of fans that weren't listening anyway but well there's a lot of there's a lot of subtleties to drum technique but a basic rock beat you can pick that up pretty quick if you're if you you know if you have some musical sensibility which he clearly did yeah everyone in the 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 band which is you know or the cast of the show which played the band there's a slight distinction it's a meta thing yeah had some musical ability i mean the davy jones was in the cast of oliver when the Beatles first hit Ed Sullivan. <laughs> that's right. Was he Oliver? No, he was he, the artful Dodger. Dodger yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so yeah. so he was on that show with yeah, Ringo and everyone. So. Oh wow. Yeah. So and, yeah, I mean, he was maybe the one who kind of came from the least rock. He was like they were. He tr- was Broadway. He was right. He was Broadway. Broadway. He was he was very Broadway, and they were kind of at the time. The reason he he got the 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 show is because. He was this little British guy who was, you know, during the British invasion, who was on the Coal Gems label. He was adorable oh, and so he happened to happen to be the right place, right time, and had an English accent, which is going to go over well. And he was cute well. and tiny, yeah. and you know, he had all yeah. the stuff. Yes. He had it all going for him. Cute and tiny. Yeah. Well, 
It's yeah. true. Yeah, it is true. I mean, <laughs> but the, the monkeys broke up fairly quickly after they. I mean, the TV show was canceled after two seasons, and um, Peter was the first to leave, and the, the band sort of petered out or, or, by the seventies. But um, there were reunions. There was a, a half reunion in the seventies, like seventy six, when uh, Mickey and Davy were joined by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. And they couldn't quite get the name for the monkey, so it was and, just... And those guys, by the way, were the principal, one of the, two of the principal writers for a lot of the songs that they, they did during the 60s and during yeah. the show. Like the theme song in Last Train to Clarksville, and most of the first album is Boyce and Hart. They were, they were hired by the TV producers, and then the TV executives hired someone else, and that it, things got complicated. But they were the original sound behind the monkeys. Every 10 years, the Monkees would have a reunion. They had that one in the 70s. Then in the 80s, thanks to MTV, there was a big, massive reunion tour with yeah. just Peter, Mickey, and Davey. I saw that one. Yeah, Mike was, you know, too busy producing, you know, tape heads and Repo, Repo Man. Man and stuff like that to join in. So, And that did produce an album that is just excruciating of <laughs> 80s pop with lots of chorus on the guitars yeah the, the story of mtv is pretty crazy yeah well and, and <laughs> from mike, then till now <laughs> from mike mike nesmith was in fact partially responsible for mtv too so, so it's the his fact, fault yeah. yeah the fact that mtv the rescued air. the monkeys and then mike didn't join is somewhat ironic but yes that that album in the 80s called pool it was bad bad commercially bad critically so when it was announced in the 90s that all four of the monkeys were getting back together including the reluctant and somewhat curmudgeonly mike nesbeth um hopes were were high that it would be something different but i was pretty excited i remember going to circuit city the day it came out to get this album i was oh my so goodness. i read about it and you know we didn't have the internet we had ice newsletter which was like the international compact disc experience or whatever but yeah i remember reading that and like oh they're gonna have to change that name yeah <laughs> but yes i was very excited when i i heard it was coming out and i bought it on compact disc that day in october of 96 and and yeah well mike agreeing to come back to the monkeys experience put a couple of um caveats that have uh changed the the album apparently they were starting to record without mike just in their usual style with you know backing musicians and outside songwriters and mike said i will come i will help and i will be a part of this but on one condition we're doing it all ourselves all the instruments all the writing everything we're producing it ourselves we're doing it ourselves which is never what the monkeys sounded like the the four guys who were the monkeys were not what the monkeys sounded like which is weird no they were kind of like and and the songs came from different places for the different members of the band in terms yeah. of what they sounded like a davy song and a mike song did not sound alike yeah mike wrote for himself Self. you know davy got king would write, write for, for davy. davy or mickey yeah. and yeah i mean that you know mickey was the the kind of pop yeah you know baroque pop and then you know davy was the heartthrob and the peter was the Tom folky Jones, and yeah. yeah it was kind of yeah 
Yeah, so, and Peter didn't have a lot of representation on no, those early albums. No, but he didn't. He was no. the banjo guy, wasn't he? he? Was the, yeah, he's outstanding the on the banjo. Well, that was the other odd caveat, is Mike insisted that everyone play the instruments they played on the show and not what they're really good at. Oh my god, I didn't know that. that yes. What a mistake. Yeah, so you don't get Peter playing the banjo or the harpsichord or the French horn or one of the millions of things he can do. I mean, all four of them were competent rhythm guitarists, but Mike had to play all the guitars himself. And Peter was the maybe most competent musician, yeah, I think, from a the, technical from standpoint. Technical standpoint. Yeah. He could play a lot of instruments. He could play keyboards. He had a background in classical music to some degree, and he, you know, he could play the banjo. He could play. He does play the bass, and yeah. he learned how to play the bass fairly well for the monkeys but it wasn't like his hard yeah well you know i'm looking at you there logan um but yeah i mean and he was like that's ridiculous that i did not know that and that makes no sense so you know davy wasn't there for 90 percent of the recording of this album because he just flew in on the last day and added tambourine and um you don't I mean, Mike's tambourine, a, uh, deceptively difficult to play well. Yes. yes. I mean, Nikki's not true. playing the not like the bass. <laughs> not like the bass. Yeah. Mike is not playing <laughs> his 12 string. It's, it's a lot of people have sort of dubbed this as the grunge monkeys album because grunge was big at the time and it does have elements, elements of grungy, grunge, but you know, oh, it has a grungy aroma. Yeah. Well, and Mike also insisted that all the songs were written by them, but then Mike didn't bother to write right, any, any songs. songs. Yeah, it, mm. and, and it's like, I love Mickey Dolenz, and he, like I said, Mickey Dolenz is the king of, of beginner's luck. Yeah, he's got... You yeah. know, he can, like, he showed up and, like, during the 60s, during when you were making Headquarters, I guess yeah. it was, he, he wrote Randy's Cow Skit, which is this fantastically great 60s song. Yeah, it's which is the sound of someone who doesn't know how to write, write a song. Write a song, but it's it's really good. Yes, and in it's that, in that, experimental because you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he wrote most of the, I mean, I have a list. Five he wrote or six. Five or six of the songs, I could count yeah. them. But yeah, I mean, he wrote like most of the songs on this album. Yes, they were from a um, a solo album that he was going to do um, based on his second divorce. So yes. Yeah. It sounds like a 50-year-old <laughs> man complaining about his There's second a whole, divorce. A whole shelf of my record collection de- dedicated to divorce albums. Yes, but yeah. this That's what I want. Yeah. So you got... Well, I really like the idea... I mean, I think I assume everyone did uh, to some degree, right? The idea of them all playing, you know, actually On playing paper, as a band. Everyone was really excited when they heard the CD. They were all, but that seems really disappointed, unnecessarily limiting. Not yeah. in a studio, not letting you play things that You're you were good, good, at. good at. Yes, I mean, which was why headquarters worked. Yes, headquarters. They the original one they did by the sort of by themselves. Yeah, they had Chip Douglas, the producer, playing bass on most of it, as opposed to making Peter do it. And so Peter was Peter free was busy. To, <laughs> Peter was free to play guitar or harpsichord, harpsichord or French horn or yeah, pe- all kinds of banjo things. or yeah, dulcimer or whatever. He well, played. and in the studio, you don't have to be limited either, right? No, you could, you're not. You could play the bass and play. You know. Yeah, and I mean, he was especially in 1997. Because that's what he played on the show, right. but that was mm. that. I think he, you know, they were trying to prove they were a real band, but unfortunately, they were trying to prove they were the band on the show. Uh, but they already, then, and the thing that's sad is they'd already proved they were a real band in 19, 1967 Yeah, with headquarters, because that that is actually yeah. it's a it's an uneven album, but it's a good album. Yeah, I mean, um, despite the fact that Chip's playing bass, and I think there's one or two other songs with a. 
you know, the French horn and the the there's some strings cello, cello is yeah, that, there's like a string outside. section on something, yeah, but, but you know, it's ninety percent. And of they, them. I mean, they kicked that album off with this like fantastic, you know, you know, opening on a song with a great banjo break in it, and it's like, what the hell is this? And it's yeah. really good. And there's no banjo on this album, which so. is a mistake. Didn't the Beatles have strings on some of their songs? Sure. Yeah, Eleanor Rigby. I don't think any of the Beatles played on that. So. Play anything? Yeah. So yeah, it was but a for some reason, all the press really got on the monkeys for that, and the monkeys, particularly Mike, because he was the one who came up with all these stipulations, really internalized that, and as a result, we get an album that is um, yeah, not bad, but could have been so much more, and it's so disappointing because it was the last album that all four of them did together. Davey died, really? well, recently. Yeah, he died back in, in 2012. Yeah, so, right. I mean, they had time, but. This was also not a band that had played together for the last 30 years. In fact, they rarely talked to each other in the last 30 years. So That's right. it wasn't like they were you know, trying to prove something because they were good at it. They were trying to prove something from scratch. Was there a lot of animosity in the band or, or they just were different people? They were very different people. They were deliberately cast they and were hired to be as, you know, each one is covering one quadrant. So Well, it wasn't the organic thing with, with a band. Where a band gets together and they kind of find... Because they all find, like the same kinds of music. Because they, they have something in common. It was just like, you're cast. You're going to be in this band. Yeah. You're going to be the drummer. Yeah. yeah. Or something. Yeah. You'll... Yeah. You're not the lead. Yeah. And and it, 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 I, that, that's a really uphill climb from the beginning. The fact they were able to ever do anything was always kind of a miracle. Yeah. I always thought. And, the, and there's some good stuff they did in the 60s and... I would, I would, I would actually make a case that some of their songs are are out, are some of the outstanding tracks of the sixties. However, they came about. Yeah. They, Regardless you know, of in terms who of was, pop. Yeah. Responsible. Yeah. Mickey's got one of the best voices. Absolutely. Back then, but even to this day, he he has maintained his instrument. He can sing the hell. Mm -hmm. Our our last guest, uh, Jonathan from the Lollygags, covers uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday. Yeah. Pretty regularly. And yes, that's, that's I think Mike Nesmith wrote the actual guitar lick at the top of that one. I think I'm not sure about that. Maybe I, it was certainly modified from uh, "I Want to." I tell want to you tell you, yeah, by yeah. the Beatles, it's kind but of yes, upside down and backwards. Mike, yeah. Mike plays it, yeah, and, and Peter plays the piano part, and you know they all sing on it. That's why mm -hmm. it's one of their favorite songs, is because they're all like a part of that one, actually involved in it, right? Yeah, <laughs> rather so. than being handed a script. Yeah, mm -hmm. or more more likely back in those days, just a finished backing track, and like, well, go move your arms and legs, and yeah, yeah, I I hadn't really put together the uh, the fact that man, the, the monkeys ate a whole lot of shit over the not playing stuff. Meanwhile, George Martin is just slathering the Beatles in tons and tons of you know, yeah. Uh, uh, chamber choir you know just yeah. all just kinds of instruments they cannot the, play they, yeah, yeah, she's exactly. leaving home with a yeah a, an army of sessions <laughs> people yeah. playing on Beatles stuff of course uh yet yeah yeah the monkeys really get a get a lot of crap well there's for, you know it, it's part of it's the it's the nature of the beast you know that i mean it's uh 
they were a manufactured, manufactured band, for television, right? right? You know, so were the Clash and the Sex Pistols. Well, not, not well. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't for, selected for, to be on a TV show. More in, about the you young know, ones. It was like a, well, yeah. that's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's different. yeah. <laughs> young ones for so, the monkeys for yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, assembling a group of musicians to to play in a particular style of music is is one thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. assembling people for a TV show is a different. It's a different animal. This is one and of the, then converting them into a real rock band or converting themselves yeah. into a real rock well, band. Well, and I think is, it was all kind of premised on whether they were, you know, if the show had been a bomb, they probably would have not been a real rock right, band. Right. But why would they bother? Yes. Why would they bother? So, okay, by the way, this the show's a hit. You guys had better be ready to start playing in front of these sold out audi- arena audiences by like next week. I mean, in, in what the hell? Well, look, they were so big that uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix was opening for them. Right. In, in old schooly Which show business tons terms, of sense. is this not that different from just having a play that is a real big hit that, you know, tours gets more and more production values until it's a really blown out big Broadway thing and then it tours around with, you know, sometimes a bunch of different. Company, you know, a bunch of different actors touring the same thing at the same time if it's really popular. And so, again, it's funny that this was so hated. Or they appear for, on for that David when, Letterman. When it's totally, you know, show business MO going way back. Well, and I think a lot of people felt like they had been cheated because instead of being presented as actors playing characters on the show and the albums coming out as soundtracks to the show, yeah. it was presented as if this is Mike Nesmith playing guitar on this album, and they felt like they'd been cheated. This yeah, is... it was a really weird thing because of the album, because of the TV show, you know, using the real names, and they were the real people. It was a really strange. This is the thing. '60s version of of somebody being pissed that you know a rea- reality TV show thing is staged. And, exactly. And yeah, but and and they they took it as badly as everyone else did i mean they well right if you looked i mean if you looked at the back of a monkeys album yeah the four of them are listed yeah and how blaine is not on there right. carol k is not on there but right you know yeah. may, maybe on the disc itself in parentheses or something yeah. I, well on the rhino reissues you they're get hourly, all of that they, but, <laughs> they got their check yeah. they don't care yeah right they're done <laughs> they're on, on to the, the next person yeah, yeah on the yeah. original vinyl it just said mike nesmith plays guitar and sings it doesn't mention mike nesmith does not play guitar and on this right right vaguely stated but yeah so i guess that is sort of the the impetus behind their sort of coming back with this in you know 30 years later almost to the day that the first album came out they put out this one and it's kind of exciting you know get them in the studio see what they come up with well yeah and and the expectations were high and it did not do well the there was a TV special that Mike wrote and produced. That Did he write that? He wrote and, okay. and directed it, and okay. it is weird. I saw that. I was so excited when that came on. Oh, my God. And um, I love the lizard. Yeah. The lizard <laughs> sunning itself on a rock. It, that the, was a cutaway yes. they would do. Whenever. He's from Texas, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, what would happen is they would they were making a joke about being on a TV show. I mean, it's like what, what the scenario was for the show is that they're basically back in the house they lived in. Is that right? Well, the, the premise of. is that the show, even though it went off the air, kept going. It's a real thing. So they're on like episode 582 now. Right. Just right. no one's seen it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the plot is they are playing a show and people keep coming up to them and trying to give them stories to do. Like, oh, my daughter's been kidnapped or, oh, you need to spend a night in a haunted mansion. And they're like, well, we've already done that. We don't want to do a plot. Simpsons did it. Yeah. So the whole (laughs) plot is them trying to avoid having a plot. It's an hour long special of them trying to avoid having any narrative 
and doing a lot of cutaway gags. A lot of cutaway Did gags. Did they invent the Family Guy joke where the length of the not so good joke is the joke because of the ridiculous? It wasn't. It, to it, it was very quick. They were not into long. They were in. There's a lot of like you know them dressed as luchadors for less than a second. Right. Cut in and out, and you know anytime Smash they cut. had a special effect. They would also cut to the lizard sunning itself on a rock because they, they would run out of money because they did a special effect. So they would show the lizard on a rock because they had a, it was a <laughs> like fill in because the thing is, oh. it sounds a lot funnier than it is. It was disappointing. Well, that was the funniest part was the lizard the on the rock so, because yeah. it would just occur every once in a while after he'd done a special effect because yes. they'd run out of that much money by doing the special effect, That's which awesome. was yeah. a great idea. I mean, that was, yeah, no, that is, that fantastically is funny. Funny. Pa- much like the album on paper. paper it sounds, sounds great. great. Yeah. Yeah. In reality, it was disappointing. The four of them did their first and only tour as a foursome since 1967 in England with the promise that, you know, Mike would join them on the tour in America the next month. And he decided, you know what, this monkey stuff, uh, I proved my point. We could play it and I don't want to play it anymore. And yeah, I did not reconnect with the monkeys until after Davey died. So this was it. I guess he played one. Did he play one show with them at that point or was he did like a, a, a. the Greek a theater or something, yeah. Tour thing at like the the Hollywood Hard Rock, yeah, or something. something like that was yeah. just. I just remember a picture of him. Yeah, but it might not be that tour. Maybe it was yeah. the '80s something. You yeah. you think that lizard still gets residual checks? I hope so. He he deserves it, but yeah. Do you remember what kind of lizard it was? I think it was a. It's like a Gila monster. Maybe might have been a Gila monster, but yeah, yeah. That was really funny. It was like the one really funny thing. Yeah. But I mean, it it had its moments. I remember yeah. seeing it and going, "Yeah, well, like I said, it's not a really whole quite there." Show about avoiding a narrative is a great. It's like a John Cage composition. Hearing it described is great. Sitting through it is less interesting. And of course, there's songs. Yes, during the whole mostly thing. from this album, right? Which they they try and promote, and sometimes rather directly. There's a whole spiel where you know. Mickey's pretending to be Martha Stewart, and they're on like Home Shopping Network plugging the album. And yeah, would they do a? I mean, would they do the the, the lip syncing thing in yeah. odd locations, kind yeah. of like on the show? Yeah. They did that, and then they had the one really weird video for the re the reboot of Circle Sky. Yeah, which was unnecessary. Like, Hi, we are so on MTV right now. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's very yeah. postmodern. Very. Yes, I mean, I mean, like painfully, like actually, it looks. More like something from the 80s than it did like something from the 90s, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it was very garish. And, you know, there's a reason why Mike Nesmith doesn't have a lot of directing credits to his name, despite the fact that... He's a great producer, though. Yeah. Mickey Dolans had spent most of the um, 70s and 80s as a... As an actual TV director. Yeah. So why... Again, why were... Mike is kind of... Why wasn't he directing? Well, Mike is kind of like the, the young of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. When they can get him, they will do whatever he says. Mm-hmm. They can survive without him, but yeah. Yeah, it's like he's, you know, well, he has a much bigger estimation of his his uh, criticality than yeah. he really has. Well, well and he uh, also I mean, he's, inherited the liquid paper fortune. Yes, he's he did. not as desperate to agree to these reunions as the other three were. So. Right. Yeah. So he's afforded, yeah, a kind of freedom that they might not have. Yeah, I think Peter spent his money by 1969. It's been. Yeah, I mean, he, and he well, he bought his way out of his contract too. Yeah, so he which, started with less. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, I mean, Michael Nesmith, his mom invented liquid paper. Yeah, and he was an only child. And so he was he an only child. Inherited and he was all dirt that. poor. I mean, he was dirt poor, and so was she. Yeah. I mean, but nobody uses typewriters anymore. Well, I think that they uh, sold the business before that was a real problem. Oh, that's smart. Yes. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, no kidding. Gillette, Although it I still think. has uses. You know. Yes, yes. He, he is well off. I they, have a drawer full of it that's dry and hard yeah, now. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, you know, I notice when you want to change something, you're going to photocopy, it comes very, in, very handy. You know? Yeah. But photocopy. Photocopy. Xerox, excuse yeah. me. <laughs> what is this photocopy? Of One of our speak? sponsors is oh. Xerox. Xerox. Brought to you by Xerox. And liquid paper. And, and liquid, liquid paper. paper. Oh, by the way, did you know liquid paper has many uses? Oh, it's, it's not just for drinking anymore? If you take the lid off and you hold it up to your nose kind of like this, yeah. there's things you can do with that. Uh-huh. The, the liquid paper rep is shaking his head right now. But I think we're going to have to edit that out. Well, shall we get into the actual album itself, which is why not not very monkeys like, or yes. yeah, but is purely not, the monkeys, not monkeys like at all. Yes, well, but it's only the four guys from the. It's monkeys. the four guys. It's inexplicably not like them, considering that they did it. Yes, and only they did it. There's no one else to blame. And the first song is Circle Sky. album in 30 years that mike sings on and this is the only song he sings that's the only one he sings so so uh, and that's an older song yes. it, sounds, it sounds like x yeah, it's a little bit okay it's well a, may i make like, a make a note that this is the best song on the album and it's a song from 1967 i, yeah, I, I was gonna i was just gonna ask the both of you uh, victoria and scott you yeah. know so as as fans you put this on you're really excited you hear this song you have to be, I mean, don't you have to be, okay, this is going to be cool. Like, well, yeah, it's a good version. It's I a mean, version. It's, it's obviously new. It's the third best version they've released of the right. song. <laughs> but it is the best song on this album. They I mean, haven't released it before? No, I mean, they, they have. Oh, they did it's, release it's, it before. It was on Head. Version. Yeah, it was on the movie Head. Okay. Featured a live, a live version, version of it. Which is just outstanding. killer. Outstanding. And then the soundtrack featured a studio version with studio musicians, which isn't as good, but it's better. It's mild. Than yes. It's too mild. But it's, this, I mean, he changed the lyrics, but the lyrics are still meaningless. We've added a harmony, which is cool, and they still do live, which I think was the only really bonus. The vocal seems a little buried on the mix. Oh, yeah. you should hear the studio version. Oh, yeah. It's was almost this, gone. Was but this recorded digitally, you think? 96? It might have been. been. Maybe. Yeah. But, There's you know. some production elements of this that... Uh, I bet it was still but the it don't age well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, there's definitely and that's the one of my biggest criticisms. Not just I don't think the songs are there, but that it sounds so much like they were trying so hard yeah. to make it sound a certain way, like we have to be on top of the way things sound right now. Nineteen ninety six. Grunge. Or something whatever. I don't, yeah, know, I don't know. Not I don't know. People say that and, and I don't, I don't quite it. hear it. No. 
I mean, but yeah, I mean, this has got that weird brittle sound to it. Not grunge, but like '90s FM radio. Right, rock. right, right. This, is, yeah. this has some alt rock elements to it that have not see. aged well for anyone. Well, the thing is, you know, you mentioned X is like, you know, I, I don't think I could see this as an X song, but I do get the kind of, um, you know. Heavier distorted guitars or, playing countryish yeah, kind of right. things. Or, yeah, late, yeah, late yeah. Period meat puppets. Yeah, something. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, I adore this song. I mean, I love this song just as a song because it's like it was a song, and I like their premise for what it was. Was that Mike wanted to write kind of a, basically kind of a three or four piece kind of garage band song for the band to perform live that would be kind of rocking. Yeah. And that's what he did, and it was, and it really is. And I wish we had a copy of the live original to yes. compare it to but you look it up um but yeah and it worked as that it's really a fantastic song and of course that's one of the reasons i joined the inactivist is because i heard scott use it as his um his sound his uh his uh level test the yeah. first time i heard them <laughs> so, so yeah yeah that's it's like <laughs> so oh, i thought oh, i get I, it yeah, i get these I guys know you. yeah they uh yeah well and and I might have heard That's incorrectly. It does sound like uh, they're they're doubled guitars yes. too. So yeah. so in that and 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 I have nothing against that. I yeah. like the way doubled guitars sound. But but getting back to what you said before, if you're going to let you do overlubs like that, why not just let people play whatever the heck they're good at? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, actually, Mike Nesmith is an he's a competent rhythm guitarist, but he is not um, a lead guitarist really. And he is playing a lot of lead on this album. Yeah, it's not his thing. I mean, he's and he mm, he know he admits excited, that. Huh? Yeah. He admits that. Yeah, I mean, more I mean than he's once. never played lead guitar on any of his solo albums. He's never played lead guitar yeah, on anything he's, else. Yeah, he's actually ever, the king really. of getting a really really good band around him and just and so, he's, and so he's like the sting of the Beatles or the monkeys, I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of, one of my favorite put a sting, mic in front of him sting jokes ever was in one of sting's uh later live bands with you know a couple of bass players and several guitarists and a choir and a horn section and everything there's he was a good, yoga teacher yeah a yoga teacher yeah um, <laughs> um yeah he doesn't actually stop having tantric sex while the show but, but now that, you know, one of my old guitar teachers used to joke that I, and I forget who the the shred and fusion guy ringer guitar lead guitarist was, but my teacher used to joke that yes, yeah, Sting has a volume pedal for that guy on his pedal board. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. bring him in when you bring need him in right here. <laughs> well, shall we move on to the first newly written song for this album, or close to? It's a Never Enough, written by Nikki Dolenz. Yeah. 
you go. There's Mickey kind of stretching himself beyond his 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 fifty uh, year old limits. Well, I don't know. It's like Mickey on this sounds so not. I I don't know if it's just the fact that they were trying to record his voice in a way that was more contemporary at yeah. the time. Too much like, pipe smoking. I yeah. 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 Or, <laughs> or it's just you know he hadn't been doing this maybe he hadn't but consistently I, at it, this it's point. it was a little combination of both it's like sometimes he does have some spots in his voice as he gets yeah. older that just don't quite work as well as they did when he had this beautiful Which voice human yeah piece, yeah but um what i i find isn't like a criticism of it it's like they're like sh- they're not showing off what he does well yeah is my feeling on that and the way they recorded him and the kind of it's like it's not a good song for him. it isn't a good song for him and you know he's written a he he's, wrote a whole bunch of songs on this that and aren't good songs good, for yeah. him. No, no. They have a, a one really good prolific songwriter and one really good opposite of prolific songwriter, and neither one really gets to show off on here. Right, which is such a such a shame. This song just kind of lopes along. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's competent, but... Well, and that's the yeah. thing. The entire album is competent. Yeah, no one's bad, which yeah. is almost disappointing. The drum sound and the, uh, the bass sound on this are stupidly of their time and do not fit with the monkeys at all well and that's maybe the whole album is it doesn't fit with the monkeys at all and and you know that isn't a crime necessarily no they can evolve and change but this uh, they didn't evolve and change into something good it was just it seems like it was very everything seems very arbitrary yeah Yeah. well we didn't really get to see any evolution either yeah right it just sort of popped up out of nowhere yeah Yeah. and then disappeared and disappeared into nowhere i have a feeling things are going to get better though oh do you now Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. But now I must forget you. But my heart won't let you out of my life. Oh, what a day. We walked around the city. You said, now isn't it a pity? I could stay But if I could live that night So would that would that be better featured on a Willie Nelson album or a the Jesus and Mary Chain album? <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. Davey, you know, we, we talked about two great songwriters in the band. Um, I would even consider Mickey when he was doing like Shorty Blackwell or Randy Scouse get a great songwriter. Davey, Davey was never a great songwriter. He writes several of the songs on this album, too. And this is one of them. And it's it's not a good song. It's not a good song. It's what style would you call that? It's kind of Latin lounge. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of Calypso-y sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's. It doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like you needed to decide what you wanted to be on that one. Yeah, I think if they had the full production choices of not having to play every instrument and only their own instrument, this would have gone into a bad sort of Jimmy Buffett direction. So maybe we should be thankful. Or maybe. Or maybe it would have been something completely different. It might have worked a little better. Yeah. But it's but still not a great song. No. It's it, not a very good song. Davey is not a good songwriter, and he's a cheesy cheesy man who needs people to um <laughs> restrain his more maudlin and schmaltzy instincts well and, bless uh, his heart you know i mean yeah. when you do that or when you channel them like harry nelson did yes that he's outstanding yeah, i mean he's but it's like it, he's but... what it is you know it, he is what he is and it's like if you if you put that and you let him do daddy's song he's spectacular yes i mean no one else could pull it off yeah but 
There's you, nobody in the world, and there was nobody during the kind of Baroque 60s that could no. have done that. But you didn't like Station to Station? Uh, that That's a different Davy Jones. Oh, that's a... Yeah. I'm always yeah. getting them confused. Well, well they look so much alike. And, you know, he had to change his name because of David Jones, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's three of them, aren't there? Yeah, there's all sorts of Davy Jones They're out everywhere. there. everywhere. One has a locker. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we move on to the uh, next track? It's another song that was originally written before this album, and they've re-recorded for no discernible reason. You and I... Like the wiggles or the. I was going to say this like a, like a child, a children's song. Yeah. Did you um? What do you think of that baseline? It was good, but I did not learn to count. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was great. Yeah. This was a song that was originally recorded for that Dolan's Jones Boyce and Heart album in the seventies. So uh, much like Circle Sky, the reason why they're redoing it is um. They couldn't write enough stuff. To yeah. <laughs> well, and <laughs> if Mike out. didn't have enough songs written. Then they should have waited or recorded covers, right? Or, or yeah. Or if you're gonna, if you, yeah, if you're, if you don't have, if the you're song. gonna resurrect a song, why that one? Yeah, right. Um, it's like there's so many things you could have done. I mean, you know, so on the, the the first version, which I guess perhaps. is the original version, Mickey is singing it instead of Davy because the two of them wrote it together. And maybe Davy really wanted to sing it. Or they didn't have enough songs written that Davy could sing, so they dug this one out. But it does. It seems like it does seem like a, a children's song, or maybe a um, Christopher Cross song, or something. Yeah, like that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's got that <laughs> pleasant but unremarkable. And why you would do this a second time, I don't know. I who, mean, who owns the who owns the catalog? I think Rhino does. I think Rhino point. Records still does. Okay. Yeah, when this album came out, it was on Rhino, and the, Mike was rather disappointed by that. He's like, well, Rhino's what releases our old stuff. We should have a new record label for our new stuff. But yeah, but, let's put a bunch of old songs on here, too. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Well, he was, you know, I mean, I thought it was amazing that Rhino is releasing this album. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're, like, they're known as a sort of archival right yeah roots this was like of, their big thing actually yeah, i they mean pushed it and it did not do well yeah mm. yeah they i uh, mean the, them getting control of the monkeys catalog and eventually they got control of the video too yeah um and we're like the sole releasers of all this stuff and they they also put out some books and some other stuff it was like they were the monkeys were kind of their big count yeah yeah because they they revived they revived a lot of careers of blues guys and stuff like that yeah they're good for archival releases if you have a, a band that you like that you want to hear a 20th deluxe anniversary edition of hope for rhino because they will give you every last bonus and track that's they what can. they did with the monkeys oh yeah if you want to hear 28 different takes of i want to be free they will give it to you and you know us monkeys fans are grateful to them it can be overwhelming sometimes but i mean there's whole albums of what the missing missing, missing links, links yeah, right there's like three volumes of albums that are just 
outtakes from the other alternate nine takes, albums. Yeah, alternate well, takes. Well, just like a lot of a lot of work. Well, there were. That's the thing is, since they weren't a single band, there could be like three or four different producers producing quote-unquote monkeys tunes at any given day at right, any given right. time so, yeah. so there are some vastly different versions of songs that they did that they didn't necessarily write but like there'll be one version with one person singing the lead another person with another person singing the lead and the arrangements will be different the mixes yeah. will be one's different. produced by jeff barry and one's produced by you know chip douglas and one's you know and you know some of the differences are slight and some are are vastly illuminating and almost every monkeys album you can find at least five songs that would have been better had they included it. But right. That's half of the fun is you get to build your own monkeys albums now. I mean, everyone's playing armchair Kirchner as I, I put it. So, <laughs> but okay. you know, this is, this is not an album that has a deluxe reissue with any bonus tracks. I don't think they recorded anything else on this. So, but it's not one they talk about a lot either or play songs from live ever unless you count circle sky, but, um, Let's move on to the next track. Eh, it's a Unlucky Stars, another Mickey song about his second divorce. It breaks my heart to say goodbye. you see Mickey Dolan's live in concert doing a solo show, he will frequently um, do the song Oh Darling from uh, the Abbey Road, yeah. which is a better version of this, the essentially. Song. I was going to say, yeah, it has that, it's definitely the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this well, is, it's just, that's, you know, everybody does pastiche. one of those songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's not a great one, but you know, it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's all, all right. right. And you know, that's the thing. There's a lot of just. That's all right. Yeah. Kind of songs I mean, on this on the, album. On their 80s reunion album, there's some real stinkers, and there's nothing that stinks like that on this album, but nothing that gets you excited either. I mean, yeah, so so far there's been a kind of a um, a mist of, of mediocrity. They are indeed songs. Yes, they are uh, 100% yeah. songs, yeah. which... You know, on no headquarters, filler. they'd have stuff like Zilch which is, or Band 6, which are just essentially goofing around in the studio they behind-the-scenes clips. Yeah. And I think that sort of creativity and camaraderie would have really helped this album. Right. But. It's um, Yeah, those are that's kind of part of the, the fun of listening to that album. Because actually, headquarters is a little uneven, you know, in terms of performances and stuff. But it's like, well, it's kind of a real album because it's like, here they are. Scurrying around trying to play the Looney Tunes opening yes. you know, or something like that. I mean, that. clearly, since 1967, someone has invented the click track, and now Mickey can keep a steady beat as opposed to on headquarters, where it's a little... A little rocky. Let's just say human. <laughs> but, yeah, on this album, it, you don't have any of that sort of humanness to it. Is, well, it'd be nice to... I mean, on a song like that, I suppose maybe you wouldn't be able to tell with most bands, I'm not sure, but yeah. I think... It'd be nice if you heard that and say, "Oh, it's the monkeys." Yeah, doing a throwback tune. 
And you don't get it, right? On, you know, like you don't yeah. get that satisfaction on any of these songs, yeah. like you know, like Queen doing crazy little thing called Love or something, yeah. right? Right? Or you know, so it's, Oh Darling by the Beatles, or Oh Darling by the Beatles, right? Exactly, or yeah. even the Grease soundtrack, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. John Travolta is yeah, yeah. They could Henry have, Winkler. I was going to say they should have tapped John Travolta, but that wouldn't have fit the theme of this album. No, just us, no one else, and you know, maybe some outside help would have been useful, but. It, that might have scared Mike off, and so Rhino wasn't about to do that. So, and speaking of Mike, this is the only new song he wrote for this album. Uh, although he doesn't sing it, it's called Admiral Mike because Nesmith has a tendency not to put song titles that have anything to do with the lyrics. <laughs> it's hard to sound very angry when you're using words like stupid twit and slimy fools and you know your copy smells i thought you were saying your coffee smells <laughs> yeah no he's singing about newspaper reporters their copy oh, yeah. smells see that song i you know that song i see that to me yes that has character yes. at least you know and, and I, I is I, a better songwriter than I, Mickey yeah I want to hear more character yes. right you know in a lot of these songs so I dig you know so yeah, so this song's this song's all right yeah I mean it's the most it's, grungy of the quote-unquote grunge album yeah and that's that's maybe a deficit to a degree yeah. but on and and actually the thing is well and it's kind of a shame it's a little bit Mickey goes a little too far he's a little over the top but he's playing the, a character right. yeah, as opposed say, like, to being sincere but, but the thing is is what mickey mickey's strength besides the fact that he had a lovely voice is that mickey is a fantastic song interpreter and if you listen to their back catalog he has i mean he can interpret a love song or anything else yeah. so well he's an actor he really is an actor and he actually has that skill and that's really not that common a skill yeah he's he really adds. good at it and i know this is a goof but he does do that. Yeah. Well, see, I like that. I think you're right. It is over the top, but I like that vocal delivery because it's, like I said, it's it's. Well, doing it any less would have been just right. It's stupid. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you if you did this song, I think with, with you know utter sincerity, it would it would just be terrible. Yeah. It'd be cool if it was a little clearer what was going on. Apparently, I read that at the time there was that uh, general who had gotten in trouble for having medals on his chest that he hadn't earned right and the newsweek or something yeah no. <laughs> no it was an american Different guy, guy and he got in trouble and newsweek ran an expose and he felt so embarrassed about it that he killed himself and this is about mike railing against those newspaper editors who made this guy feel so bad Oh, so huh. that's why it's called Admiral Mike, is he's giving himself a title he hadn't earned. Oh, huh. uh, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, so. it's a thinker. I, I thought maybe he had like a, 
a sloop he had recently christened in the Gulf of Mexico or something. And, well, and yeah. you know, the thing is, is that Mike Nesmith is a really good songwriter. I mean, yeah. it's like his stuff is not that generally um, appreciated. I mean, he's written so- some songs are pretty big hits for other people, but he's like one of the few country artists and he, you know, he really was an actual, at least country pop artist who I can bear to listen to because his songs are clever and smart and his lyrics are funny and he's not, you know, he's actually kind of, my dog done left me. No, he's, he's totally stretching the genre. He's, he's staying very tightly within the genre in his own work and also stretching it out. So it's, 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 it's clever and funny. And the thing is, prior to this, from like 1980 through 1990, Mike had written nothing. He'd put out no solo albums. He had not written any songs. And then just a few years before this, he finally came out of retirement, put out one of his best solo albums, Tropical Campfires, which had like eight or nine songs on it that were really good. So when I heard he was... You know, going to be part of this monkeys album. Right. You think I was will. looking forward to Tropical Campfires with Mickey singing and yeah. Peter's banjo. Right. And you get none of that. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I I would still like to hear that album, but alas. That's still kind of happen. a you know, just lyrically too, like you were saying with the story, it is a it is kind of a left turn, right? I think yeah. most people hear that story, they would be angry at the uh, Admiral. Yes. Right, for being a liar. Right, and, and a lot of people were at the time. Right, right, you know, but he's t- he's singing it from the point of view of uh, you know the your copy s- smells, your right, copy right, right. kills those nasty press that are you know yeah. So so I wonder, uh, yeah, there, there had to have been a, <laughs> something must have resonated with him for sure. But yeah. uh, but uh, anyway, you know, but that is that is uh, whether this is a good song or not. That is one of the marks of a good songwriter is you're able to look at things a little bit awry. Yeah. And yeah. I think and, uh, this is the best written song on here. It's not well performed, but it is the best written. Yeah, song. it's like at least it's going. It's it's not. It it is not what you expect. Yeah, and but, I mean some yeah, of it, you know is Mike nice. isn't good at writing insults, so a lot of them are very childish. You know, slimy fools, stupid twits. You know, it is yeah, but still, you hmm. can tell he's sincere. There's a bass pop in here, or a couple. We could have bump. There's oh, yeah. There, uh, Pete's, Pete's showing off very, what he doesn't get a lot. Is that the first bass pop on a monkeys, on monkeys. A monkeys song? You, you have to listen to the 80s uh, Pool It album. I'm uh, sure there is a lot. That's probably the, the, uh, that's probably the slap bass patch that, on that, no, you that don't. MIDI bass device uh, I have. I, I heard, I've heard that. I'm all set. <laughs> there you go. Well, shall we move on to the first song written by, uh, no, this is another Pete or Mickey song. Oh, well, Dying of a Broken Heart. Mickey Dolans. Mickey Dolans. thought it was yes there for a second. Do you think maybe Mike just wanted to 
show off his lead chops. If he wanted to, why didn't he do it on any of his other albums? Uh, safe space? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is. <laughs> I mean, because it's obviously a choice, right? Yeah. That he's, you know. He's making. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, the monkeys in general are not known for guitar solos. I mean, they have well, a few, but. They're well, not. right. And there's nothing that demands that you. You know, you don't have to have a lead guitar on a pop song. No, it's it's common, but it's not necessary. Right, right. This is uh, the only song that seems to reference a how old they are and b the fact they lived through the '60s when they're talking about you know Nixon and a drug or two. But in general, they're trying to act like oh, we're just a new band of twenty-year-olds coming out with their first new album, and yeah, it's not working. <laughs> They are not convincing. No. So they do a lot of LSD. Uh, it depends did. on which one you ask. Peter says he did. Peter Peter did all the drugs. Um, Mike was was pretty you know straight edge for He's kind of a stiff. So yeah. the other guys were mad at Peter then for doing all the drugs. Well, no, Mickey Mickey did all the drugs too. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. I guess yeah. he did. Davy Davy was. He was from Broadway. Yes, so he was more into you know doing the Peter O'Toole drinking yourself to death than the drugs. But yes, I I get yeah. I think I think that's pretty accurate. What were people doing in the nineties? Uh, raves, so ecstasy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see these guys doing that for some reason. No, I don't see them hanging out. No. <laughs> well, shall we some, go on? Somebody to- Photoshop a picture of the monkeys in big big old. Jenkos with <laughs> as a boy band with pacifiers around their necks. And <laughs> Ouch! Please don't do that. Close stick. Again, the monkeys are very angry. This is the angry monkeys album. Yes. I don't know why they're so upset, but it's the nineties. They're just yes, mad. Everyone's upset. So what is it? I, what was the line? She's going to end up making burgers in the basement. Baking burgers in a basement, which is baking stupid a on a lot of levels. You know, if you're saying, "Oh, she's going to come to Hollywood, fail, and work at McDonald's," a you're be frying burgers, not baking them. Right. Right. And there's no basement at mcdonald's anyway steamed hams there you <laughs> go and you're not pouring pepsi in a cup great minds are, are, they, are they that far removed from uh, you know working know. class america i think it's more a matter of mickey is is not really a good songwriter and couldn't uh, come up with a better this, lyric that rhymed may i interject that i believe this was one of the quote singles they were trying to push yes oh, nice. there was a, a, a video or whatever romp in so the, what uh, is the what is a, what does it mean to be a regional girl or a guy? Uh, you're not a national star so you were big in idaho or whatever no, so and this you is moved to yeah so it's hollywood to try and make it big and you fail kind of like roger miller's kansas city star something like that and you know why he's so mad that people are 
coming to Hollywood and trying to do what he did successfully. I do not understand. I think he was just really, really bad. Yeah, I was going to say, I could understand discouraging people from doing that because you know how unlikely it is to succeed, but to be mad at them for wanting to seems hypocritical. (laughs) They chased the monkeys out of town. Well, he was from California. Yes, he was a child actor. And he was a child actor, elephant boy, um, circus boy. Circus boy, Circus boy, not elephant boy, circus boy. He had an elephant on Circus Boy. Right. Thank you. Yes. I I know that this has some impossibly 90s production elements, but this song reminds me of uh, the scene in Boogie Nights where they go to the recording studio and try to record that song. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The touch or whatever. So bad. It's just just so corny. It's so damn corny. And and the engineer is just going. Yeah, I could. (laughs) Shaking his head. These guys were self-producing, but yeah, no, I could could completely picture. There probably was an engineer during this, and I I can't. Oh, there had to have been, yeah. Yes, there was. Uh, Let's see if I can tell you. Engineered by Bob Bullock and Michael McDonald. I don't think it's that that, Michael McDonald. I hope not. That would be an odd (laughs) career choice. With assistance from Terry Bates, Grant Green, and Steve Mixdorf. Well, there you go. Seriously. All of them gone on to bigger and better things like not having to do this again. Good name for a mixer, I suppose. Yeah, mixed by. (laughs) Arranged and produced by the Monkees, but apparently... It was mostly produced by Mike. Michael Nesmith. Yeah, in yes. fact, I think they went out on a short tour while he was at home in Nashville right. finishing this record up. Is that where they recorded Nashville? I believe so. I think so. Yeah. That explains some of the production, too. Yeah, I mean, this, it is this, very state-of-the-art for its It, it sounds old, like old that. Old that Brooksy. Yeah, exactly. That that slick country pop of the 90s. You know? Yeah. Um, not quite slick enough, though, I don't think. but. No. Nor should it have been. Right, right. Less slick would have been better. Yes, less or slick. this or Nashville. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> For just, yeah, the 90s in general. But um, let's go to the, the first song written by Peter, which is, you know, buried on like track eight. We Nine. finally get a song from Peter, or written by Peter. I think Davey sings Davey this. Davey sings this one. There you go. weird as hell <laughs> i wish there were more weird moments like this on the record i wish there were more synthesizers yes yeah. or like the simmons drums on the on the drum kit <laughs> something give it some character well this is peter Turk's song and i assume he's playing the keyboard yeah what it sounds like is he played one solo then he did a, a second pass and they just played both at the same time why well, i don't know but this the, is a more interestingly written song yeah this yeah. is awesome this is yeah. one of the better tracks on here. Peter was really good, actually. Yes, he he was not prolific. There's a reason why his first solo album came out like two years before this. Yeah. He, and even that one was, you know, yeah. songs mostly written from between 1968 and but, 1992. Yeah, he, his songs take really strange left turns, and yes. they're interesting. 
And um, he has about like 12 of them to right, that he finished by the time he died. Right. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a really prolific writer, but his songs are usually complicated and interesting. He's totally the John Hill whistle. And, and may I interject, <laughs> he also wrote For Pete's Sake, which is the song for the end titles of the monkeys, which is... From headquarters, yeah. Yeah, which is also from headquarters, and it's it's perhaps one of their most, I think, emblematic songs. It's it's really, really good. That's a great song. I mean, the, the song on their last non-Christmas album, Little Girl, that he That wrote, is fantastic. That's a great little song that's mostly in three, but every now and then drops a beat, and it's kind of cool and groovy, and... It's really... And you, it's odd. It's yes. another one where it's like, what is happening here? And it's and again, really good. Thankfully, this Rhino needs more oddity. Yeah. Yes. yes. So I think Pete should have written half and Mike should have written half and it would have been a much better album. But if, if Kate Bush was doing weird Kate Bush stuff on this song, it would not seem out of place at all. Yeah. yeah well, it, but, but that's Peter Turk and people don't give him mm. enough credit. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. you know, he didn't write a lot of songs, but he was really, his songs are always, always good. Yeah. And it's a good thing Rhino has reissued all those extra tracks because almost none of them ended up on the actual albums. Right. I mean, he would write, he would take six months to work on one recording and then they would keep it off the album. Right. Yeah. And he'd have like, there'd be like 10 versions of it floating around where yeah. he'd done Ladies different Baby. things. Ladies yeah. Baby. Oh my God. He spent oh. as much on that as Brian Wilson spent on Good Vibrations and they didn't even release it. They never it. even released it. But probably either wasn't maybe didn't come in on time or they just didn't think it fit the Peter image. Peter was not the guy that anyone wanted on the albums for whatever reason. Even the early albums, the, he has like three total vocals. Peter didn't sing. That wasn't his. He thing. wasn't a pop singer. I mean, he he was kind of a. If you put him in this kind of folk milieu, yeah, he's good he at would, that. He could do that. And actually, as he matured, his voice got better. When he got older. He had a real resonance that he never had as a young man. Yeah. He sounded really good for a long time. But th- Speaking of Peter's voice, do you think it was Peter's idea to have Davey sing this? Or was this Mike saying, well, Mickey sings most of the song and Davey sings the rest. We can't have two Peter vocals on here. I don't know, but I would like to have heard him try. Yeah, yeah I would have loved to hear Peter's voice on this. Because I don't think Davey's adding much to this. this is Who's not singing a- the harmony part? I think um, probably Mickey. Well, yeah, I think so. Usually was those two. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure. Yeah. There, well, there's a lot of group vocal harmonies on here, and that's actually the best stuff on the album right. is any vocal harmonies you get. So, but I. That was cool. It was. Well, shall we go on to the other Peter Torque track, which of course comes right after it? It's "I Believe You." I believe you, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you, I believe you on a sunny day, I believe you chase the clouds away, I believe you. I believe you on a rainy night I believe you put the moon to flight I believe you was 
cool, too. Isn't it, yeah. though? See, I, I... He's got all this diminished stuff going on with his piano. He's just... Yeah, yeah and that's that's uh, Peter like, playing, too. Yeah. yeah. Peter doing the, the piano and the bass. And, I mean, he gives Mike a, a easy-to-play, nice little two-note acoustic guitar thing. Right. Jank, jank, jank. Mm-hmm. And then some of Mickey's best drumming on here. It's, it's really... It's not very full but it's got it's a nice cool back. space and, yeah. and yeah. clearly he's having he learned this and he's not going to deviate it from one bit because he's barely holding on but he holds on so I'm, he a, does I'm fine. a believer <laughs> a daydream believer <laughs> let's not go that far oh. um yeah these are these two really stand out as like the most interesting the well right. and much like the last the the pool it album from the 80s the two peter Tork songs miles above the rest of the album yeah those are the best tracks on here and again you know i wish he were a little more prolific because the reason that that i made the the it whistle comparison and there's you know there's plenty of others but there's in in, you know in big pop groups or long-standing bands it's funny when there's there's somebody in the band who's also a songwriter not nearly as prolific but their songs are weird and well, like and, the George Harrison or the yeah, yeah. Dave Davies of the Kinks. But, you know, but the thing that lines up with the Amosel thing is just like he, Peter Tork had the most inherent musicality and, and like chops on different instruments and things like that, um, uh, you know, compared to anyone else in the Monkees. And there's, there's weird stuff on these songs that, you know, not to disparage the guitar or the, the bass guitar or anything, but any dummy can pick up a guitar and, and play some stuff that sounds like guitar music. And, uh, these songs, he's doing weird stuff on these that you wouldn't stumble onto accidentally unless you were familiar with a variety of, of, of instruments and, and knew some, you know, voice leading rules and things like it. You know, it's like you understood music, not you understood how to play the guitar. Right. And, and so they're, they're really cool. They're really it, unusual and they're experimental almost. I mean, yeah. they're kind of, he's kind of like, he's, he, 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 and you know, you can see why he spent so much time with these songs is yeah. because in a way he isn't prolific. It's like, he's working. He's, he's working yeah. pretty working hard, hard. Yeah. 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 And it's not, Hey, Oh, here's this catchy melody. It's about mm, whatever. And, uh, here's a Done, three, on. three or four chords. There's the bridge. Dunzo. Have the, have the, have a happy have the house band. Recorded some ringers come in and yeah. We'll, I await my checks. Right. Uh, (laughs) This one is, it's weird. These two are really hanging on the strength of their musicality rather than uh, lyrical content or, you know, a a catchy, like a hooky melody kind of thing. They aren't terribly hooky. No, he's not a a catchy guy. I mean, he can do it. He can do hooks, but not all the time. Not these. Not these. These are really, you're right. These are very strange. And I wonder if Mike buried them towards the end of this album because he was afraid he was getting really, shown up. We are, we are ascribing a lot of, a lot of I motives know. This to this. is produced technically by the monkeys. I'm not sure how much of this is you know, people were deferring to Mike because they wanted to well, make he's him the happy. Di- he's the difficult one. Yeah, he's, he's always, always been the difficult one. Well, so this, we we are actually pinning a lot of the the frustration about this album on him. Yeah. Well, and this is a band that was used to being produced, right? Yes. And yeah. and, and and right, there's well documented that Mike Nesmith chafed against that, you know, aggressively. But but I, I'm just positing that your theory could be correct because the other guys are probably like, well, yeah, tell us what to do. That's yeah. how we work, right? And yeah, and when they 
did another album in 2015, 16? 2016. That's, yeah, that's what they did. You know, they, they they just let someone else come in, not even a guy who was alive at the time, and he produced the album. They came in and added their parts, and it's a great freaking album. It's I, a spectacular album. It's what this should have been. But. That's it. I was. I, I'm glad you said that because I was going to try to remember to say that. Yes. That good times is what just us should have been. Yes. What we were hoping for when we heard Mike was coming back to right. the Monkees. And the sad thing about good times is that Davy Jones was already passed away. Mm-hmm. And they threw a couple of songs on there that were songs that he they did some weird yeah. postmortem things that yeah. were okay. Yeah, just to have them represented. Because but it, yeah, it's like they did with John Lennon for the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Or you know, Natalie Cole and her Nat oh, King God. Cole. Don't that was the first yeah. one. That was like the first real one. And I yeah. remember right after that came out. Um, I don't remember what comedy special, but they got Wayne Newton to sing a duet with Janis Joplin oh using the same God. technology, and that's always been what I think of whenever I hear that stuff. I, now I'm going to have to look for awesome. that on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember <laughs> okay, what show I'm, it was. I'm googling but, that one. Yeah, I think it was they were doing "Take a Little Piece of My Heart," and it's Wayne. It's Wayne in you know 1992, <laughs> and Janis Joplin, and they. Yeah, Holograms I'm surprised Tupac it didn't really happen. Honestly, yeah, I'll have yeah. to YouTube that, but that is. Uh, Good Lord. Yeah. Don't yeah. give them any ideas. <laughs> Wayne Newton. I want to hear one. Who's the, who's the guy that Scotsman, I think he is, who does, uh, you know, it's not unusual. Oh, Tom, Tom Jones. 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 Yeah. He's Welsh. The, oh, he's Welsh, a Welshman. Yeah, yes. Welsh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Uh, Tom sorry, Jones. Tom. I think he's still alive and, yes, he and is. producing music. So. He, he, yeah. He, uh, so maybe yeah. we can get him to do one with Judy Garland or something. There you go. <laughs> Judy Garland and Liz... They can, they can they can sing the theme to Thunderball. Liza. Or, or maybe maybe you know yeah him and Lemmy. I don't Thunderball. Know. <laughs> it's a pretty killer Mr. Bungle cover of Thunderball. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I gotta hear uh, that. Awesome. Yeah. I gotta listen to that. Well, shall we move on to the first of two finales for this record? Because okay. they couldn't quite decide which one to end with, so they ended with both. I think. Ice cream and cake. It's my life. It's my life. thing is if this weren't just us this would definitely be slathered with like strings and a horn section and making it triumphant and so in that case i'm kind of glad they they didn't avoid that yeah Yeah. another mickey dolan's pen original original that yeah 
that is adequate but it's my life and i'll do what i want yeah exactly mm-hmm. written by roger atkins who co-wrote uh, the kind of girl i could love with michael nesmith right in the second album so the circle is now complete back. yes there you go it's a small world the cycle but i wouldn't all. want to paint it yeah but you know that's not the the last finale luckily we have one more sort of show-stopping broadway audition piece by the even more apropos davy jones and oh, it good. starts with the same contraction and it's the longest song in the album if i had a penny for every time that i thought about you i would be a millionaire i would send you flowers each day and i would show you in every way just how much i really care the summer sun and the winter snow the autumn leaves let the spring rains know just how much i need your love and if i knew that my time was near and you were there i would have no fear your name would be my dying prayer it's not too late to turn this ship around to sail into the very churchy. Yes. A bit. I mean, they're obviously going for stirring. Uh, um, I was yes. going to say patriotic. There you Almost. Go. Almost, yes. So you can see Toby Keith singing a song like this, but Yikes. throw some, you know, with yeah, flags and crying eagles. Have some crying eagles and flags and I mean, stuff. The, the, the best thing you can say about it is since this is the last Davy Jones Monkeys album, the fact they end on a Davy Jones song is, you know, unintentionally very sweet, but this is not a great song he is a a cheesy cheesy man yes and you know the thing is he was a cheesy cheesy man but with good material he was really good yeah i mean he's not an untalented no he was not untalented but he didn't um yeah you know they needed all the cynicism and weirdness of peter tork and and um yeah and michael nesmith and then or or they needed what happened with good times which you probably know more about than i did but they where they actually i guess um recruited songwriters yeah. to write songs for the monkeys yeah they called like um andy partridge and from xtc and mm-hmm. rivers cuomo from weezer and right you know other you know guys who are like you like the monkeys if you could write a monkeys type song and everybody said good lord of course yeah and um they did and they are there are a lot of winners on that album yeah i mean it's not 100 percent which which album was this it's called good, good times. times oh that, that was the most recent one no, almost well, all they put out a christmas album two years later for some reason uh, that nobody because, understands yeah this it, wasn't the this wasn't the 80s one that was no, no this was the one that came out in 2016 i believe yeah yeah and, and it's, it's and everybody's jaw just dropped because like, it was well like, it was we a, didn't think we'd ever get all monkeys album much less a good monkeys album right but yes they finally figured it out 50 years later and then you know go back to the old formula hire people to write the songs and and perform them and yeah and perform them no one's ever accused any of these guys as being uh you know they're they're all great performers yeah like they can really entertainers they are they are entertainers it's it's kind of old school show business they can play those characters really well i mean so much so that for a while anyways they had everybody kind of duped right and and I mean, and they can, and they were legitimate perfor- uh, singers and songwriters too. Yeah, I they mean, were. You not, can't. Yeah, yeah. 
you know. And that's the part that always burns them, where they, you know, they're like, "Damn it, no, we're this too," you know. Yeah. But some of them didn't think that way. I mean, I don't think Davy Jones cared. Cared, and no. I, I think Mickey Dolans didn't really care either. I think each of them have grown to accept it at one point or another. I think Peter accepted it in the '80s, and I think Mike only accepted it shortly after Davy died, and he started doing monkey stuff again and he's sort of come to accept that yeah i don't need to write the songs i don't need to control the production i can just be the 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 monkey with the hat i can i can be satisfied with that well and the thing is is that by doing that he was able to allow it allowed him actually to start being a performer again in a number of ways and actually being able to play his own music again yeah so it, it, he wins resurgence in the last yeah he really five has years, i mean and then is... you know he's doing some solo stuff and there were um a lot of well maybe not a lot there were i wouldn't not spin-offs but but um this influenced a lot of television didn't it like oh, like yeah. um the partridge family extraordinarily and, yeah. and wasn't there a Brady Bunch episode where they're all playing music in a oh, band yeah. or something like this, right? You know, there's lots God. of young yeah, ones. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and I think it was ones. also influential in another way where people who are putting bands together like this knew, hey, we got to make sure there's a wall built up so that you know some rapscallion Mike Nesmith in the group doesn't blow the whole thing up wanting to control this. We're going to put it in the contract. You yeah. don't get to play the music. You don't get to play guitar. We're going to write this ahead of time because we didn't foresee you know pinocchio becoming a real boy or more likely frankenstein's monster (laughs) rising from the slab but i think it is you know i mean one of the reasons why you know you still like the monkeys and why people still like the monkeys is they they actually were singing yeah i mean there are some where that's not even happening yeah the the milly vanilli right right yeah where it's just completely and and they were not only were they singing they were really good singers i mean that's actually you know four guys who have distinct voices from each other and i would posit that mickey dolans has one of the best pop voices of the decade of the 60s in terms of his interpretation and his just his range and just everything he was just exactly in the right place at the right time yeah. davy jones is davy jones you know you michael give him Nes- the right stuff yeah, yeah you give him the right stuff and make, you know michael nesmith he had a great you know in terms of being the father of country rock some people call him because he was the guy who kind of kind of embraced that hybrid and went forward with it you know along with all the other yeah. dudes who did but he was maybe the most visible guy Grand he's on tv Parsons. yeah and well, you know even peter he had his little folky voice i mean they were actually all really legitimate yeah you know, if you in terms check out of singing the the christmas episode they do an acapella version of uh some old spanish um it's a real real shoe and it is just astounding it's what they exquisite done. Yeah. their voices are beautiful so and i mean they really just sing it they're on you know they actually turned on the film camera and they had them sing it it isn't even dubbed yeah it's really, so, really amazing. I guess that will wrap it up for this album. Any other thoughts? Any other thoughts on the monkeys in general? Or well, with given its you know pristine, crystal clear recording quality, is this where people should start? Where they want to learn about the monkeys? It, no, I mean not only is it a detour artistically, but even chronologically, there's nothing close to it on either ends of the spectrum it's so. just plopped down in the middle of the 90s it, it for is. no apparent reason yeah yeah this was weirder than i expected but not weird enough to really yeah hold my if attention it, for the whole thing yeah if they had all gotten in on board i think it would have been a better album but i think and this is just my conjecture uh mike had recently married a much much younger lady named victoria who you know he sh- 
he showed her head and she's like, wow, that Peter Tork guy is really good at playing music. You should do that again. And that's, that was sort of the inspiration to this is he wanted to show off to his new young wife that he could play guitar. Oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. And so, that's why, you know, he didn't stick with it very long afterwards. So it's a little oh, bit this of is a, a full-time job. Just thumping her. That's maybe yeah. the inspiration for a uh, guitar wankery. So yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I, I think painting almost or all of the guitar wankery explain, yeah. probably starts from a, <laughs> this explains a lot. The, uh, yeah. And I mean, I it always only, comes down to this, doesn't yeah. it? Uh-huh. Yes, because apparently he, you know, he showed her head and he's like, "Oh wow, who's playing bass there?" It's like, "Oh no, that's really Peter." And then played her headquarters, like, "Oh wow, who's playing banjo?" And like, "Oh no, that's Peter." It's like, "You really should get back with that Peter guy. He sounds great." And so, but you know, put his bury his tunes on the yeah, bury his <laughs> tunes the, and let me side. show off my great guitar lead skills. Dee, 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 dee. I still wish I knew why he had not written songs for this album. Yeah, I almost wish that he hadn't done tropical campfires and sort of saved them for a monkey. What would that have been like? That would have been pretty amazing. Yeah, to hear you know, Twilight on the Trail sung by Davey or you know. And Any if of that Peter stuff. had saved a couple of the solo songs he was going to do on the Stranger Things Stranger album Things have happened, yeah. That mm-hmm. came out right before this. And I mean, almost, you know, you should make a mixtape of those two albums and call that justice and enjoy that instead. But alas. Good advice. Yes. Anyway, um, I guess that will wrap it up for this episode. I've been Scott Livingston, Matthew Marr. Logan Renard. And Peter Tork. And Peter Tork. I am Davy Jones. So um, if anyone wanted to follow, I'm say... I'm Davy Jones. Hey, there. If anyone was interested in uh, following the musical exploits of uh, the theremin Victoria Lundy plays, uh, how best would they go about doing such a thing? Uh, they could go to victorialundymusic.com. There you go. Victorialundymusic.com. Or victorialundy.com, actually. Yes. Either one. You Google it up. There is there is music in the ether. Yes, ether music. And if you don't know what a theremin is, go to <laughs> victorialundymusic.com. Yeah, that'll. It explains nothing. It explains nothing, but you can hear it. So that's You'll all. You'll be you more need. confused than when you. <laughs> awesome. Than before, yeah. Just yeah. You don't want to know that's what it is. Website that website design. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> it will demystify the theremin if you tell that's them. Not my, Leave them more confused. That's not my problem. Just a, the theremin is used strings that are pulled that's, from a that's, giant that's marionette. That's what the Google is for. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I guess that'll wrap it up for this week. Don't forget we're on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and uh, whatever else there is. All the things. All the things. Um, like, review, subscribe. We're already in your home. Yes. Don't turn around. We're behind you. And uh, we'll be back next week when we try and figure out who this artist is. <laughs>